Hello, and welcome to Pod Academy. I'm Alex Bingham. Lives Through a Lens, 1960s British cinema going and cultural memory. Six Cinema. I've got a fair few memories from here. Coming to see Robin Hood men in tights with friends as a child, creeping underage and fearful into Independence Day, and venturing age 17 to see Dogville on my own and sitting drained and immobile as the end credits rolled. Cinema has an incredible power to freeze-frame moments in our lives and drop us back into a set of emotions, a time, a place or a social situation. These memories, in turn, can be a rich source of historical and cultural information, and a new research project at University College London is seeking to tap into such recollections. The Cinema Memories Project is delving back into the 1960s, the decade we have come to identify with miniskirts, flower power and swinging London, to see what life was really like for those who experienced it. OK, better be quiet now. Film's starting. Scene one, take one. The Cinema Museum in South London. Dr Melvin Stokes, who created the project, and his research associate, Dr Matthew Jones, are being interviewed. They are sat on a row of plush red seats, surrounded by old cinema signs, film cameras and signed photographs of movie stars. Melvin responds to the question, what inspired the Cinema Memories Project? Action. So the short-term answer is I gave a talk about three or four years ago to people who graduated from UCL in London in the 1960s. And I was talking about cinema in the 1960s, and a whole bunch of these people came up to me afterwards with a series of fascinating reminiscences and memories about the cinemas they'd been to around Tottenham Court Road in Bloomsbury and so on. And I thought, wouldn't it be a marvellous idea to have a research project that would actually go around recording people's memories of 60s cinema? And so we can pass all those experiences on, the social experiences, the cultural experiences, to the next generation. Scene two, take one. Matthew, or Matt, outlines the nature of the project and the advantages of audience studies. What we've seen is that audience studies provides a way of accessing types of information about cinema going that you can't get in any other way. And, of course, the 60s in Britain is seen as a really crucial period, a period of of great change um, politically, socially, and so on. And what we're beginning to find out is that actually that wasn't true for everyone all the time. Um, There's been a lot of of research recently that suggested that actually for many people in Britain in the 60s it wasn't as as radical a period as we might expect and that the 1950s in a cultural sense at least went on for, for much longer um, than you know the end of the decade. The 50s didn't end in 59. And so I think in that sense, it's quite important to come back to cinema going and to say, well, you know, these films are often quite closely tied into notions of cultural revolution in the 60s. Um, The swinging London films and so on, um, Darling and and the Beatles movies. Um, There's a great sense of energy about those movies. But actually, to what extent were they reflecting people's lives? To what extent were they... 
engaging people in, in, in thinking about their own existence and reflecting on what life was like in, in Britain in the 1960s. And we can't do that unless we know how people responded to particular films, how they went to the cinema, what cinema going meant to them, how it fit into their everyday lives, whether it was just a, a, a passive activity or whether they were actively and critically engaged with these films. The Cinema Memories Project is not the first of its kind to be undertaken. Annette Kuhn's audience study, for example, presented in her 2002 book, An Everyday Magic, focused on cinema going in Britain in the 1930s, when going to the pictures was the nation's favourite spare time activity. Kuhn used interviews, questionnaires and original source materials to investigate cinema's impact on cultural memory and the role of cinema in 1930s British society. The Cinema Memories Project, however, is the first of its kind to apply these methods to the 1960s. Scene 3, take 1. Methods are revealed. The first stage is collecting questionnaires. Um, we're currently appealing to the public at large to fill in a questionnaire. And the questionnaire asks people about their experiences of 1960s cinema going. So partially it's about what films did you see, what films did you like, what stars did you like, which directors did you like. Partially it's about the character of the experience itself. What, what were the cinemas themselves like? What did you do on a night out at the cinema? How did the audiences uh, behave? Did people eat? Did they talk? Did they sing? Did they dance? These are the sorts of questions that, um, that we're interested in. So it's a, a quite a broad-ranging questionnaire. Um, and as I say, that's the, the first stage and is available now. That's where we're currently at. The second stage of the process is then to start conducting interviews with people to uh, look at the questionnaires and say, right, well, what's the themes? What are the main ideas that are emerging from this? And who might be able to tell us more about this? So then we're going to invite participants to take part in a, a type of oral history interview and hopefully get a little bit more into detail, follow up on some leads with that. And then finally, uh, the third stage of the process is focus groups. I'm quite interested to see to what extent people um, discuss their cinema-going habits as a group in the same way that they discuss them individually, to provoke each other's memories, to prompt each other. Are there shared memories here? Is there a, a shared collective sense of 1960s cinema-going? And uh, once we've gathered up all of that lovely data, we, uh, we go through it in detail and, uh, and we start seeing what it tells us about 60s cinema going. The charm, one might say the genius of memory, is that it is choosy, chancy and temperamental. It rejects the edifying cathedral and indelibly photographs the small boy outside chewing a hunk of melon in the dust. Elizabeth Bowen. Scene four, take one. The memory hunters discuss the nature of the beast. I think one of the things we're interested in is, as Matt says, the social experience of movie going. Quite often what people remember is not individual, uh, not individual films. I mean, sometimes if it's a spectacular production, something like, I don't know, Sound of Music or Dr. Zhivago, people will have memories of particular films or perhaps particular stars. But I think what most people remember is the social experience of cinema going. It's who you went with. And there's a survey by uh, a man called Schofield in 1965 that says more than half of all young people going out 
for the first time with, with a friend will actually go to a movie. So dates are a very important part of what's going on. So you associate films and film going with particular people, with particular places, and sometimes people would use cinemas as meeting places, then not go to the cinemas. You know, they would say, I'll meet you by the Odeon and we'll go and have a sort of curry or something. Uh, it's also to do, as Matt says, with, with behavior inside the cinema. Do people react to the films? I mean, what else is happening? Do sometimes people tune out if the film is not particularly exciting and, and talk to each other or, or the friends they were, etc.? Um, I mean, we, we tend to remember these things mostly in connection with individual experiences. Um, for example, in my mind, indelibly, the fact I saw a film called Miling three times um, links me up with a girlfriend of the time. And actually, that's about the only memory I have of her now. <laughs> <laughs> One of the extraordinary things about cinemas in the 60s was, was the smoking. The, the cinema would be, just be full of smoke. And so when you looked up and you saw the, the light of the projector above you, it was like the searchlight during the war. And as a child, obviously, this was <laughs> not, very, not very nice to find yourself probably getting through about two or three cigarettes you know, per film in second-hand smoke. And then when they decided that this was probably you know, too much, that they then re restricted it to um, the left-hand side of the cinema only. So there were sort of three rows of the cinema, the big one in the middle and then the two kind of wings. So all the smokers were put down the left-hand side. But um, ab absurdly, the kind of prevailing wind or draft in the cinema was kind of from left to right. So you could see it, kind of these clouds of smoke from the left-hand side being wafted over all the desperately non-smoking people in the middle. Um, and even people who wanted to smoke, you know, there wasn't enough room because so many people did. The people, so the left-hand side would be packed, absolutely packed with people all smoking. So that it was like a kind of a chimney. And then the rest of the place would be sort of desultory people spotted here and there around the place, getting this kind of factory-like waft of vast clouds of smoke coming over from, from left to right. And um, so I, you know, started smoking <laughs> at the age of 12. I've been trying to give up ever since. I lay the blame firmly at their door. What we're not accessing here is a historical document of what happened to um, people in cinemas in the 1960s. We're accessing memories of what happened. And I can't tell you how many times I've misremembered things in the past because either I wished they'd happened a certain way and somewhere down the line all of my memories have become mashed up with my, my hopes, my desires and so on and, and I've misremembered something only to be corrected often quite embarrassingly later. Um, and so part of that sense of, of, of fancy, of illusion is um, is bound up with with memory and also specifically with cinema because cinema is illusion, it is fantasy, it is desire, it's all sorts of different um, emotive ideas woven together. And the fact that memory and cinema are both constructed out of fancy, desire, hope, and so on says to me that there's something quite interesting in in comparing one to the other and using one to explore the other. And uh, I find that fascinating. And around the the notion of smoking. I think this, the fact that now we, we don't smoke indoors, the fact that for a while now we've not smoked in cinemas, makes smoking in cinemas in the 1960s stand out in memory, um, is my suspicion. I've, I've no evidence of that. We'll, we'll see where the data leads us. But I suspect that actually um, that stands or will stand out 
um, because of our current circumstances. And so, again, social activity filtered through memory, filtered through actually the present and our, our current circumstances informing how we remember, what we remember and what we place significance on. And so for me, it's not a problem that we're talking about memories of something that happened so very long ago now. That's part of what's interesting about it. Memory itself becomes the object of study. The past is the past. What we're accessing is memory, and that's quite fun. Although cinema attendance figures were declining and American films remained ever popular, the British film industry blossomed in the late 1950s and throughout the 60s. The social realist or kitchen sink dramas, including Look Back in Anger and Saturday Night and Sunday Morning, brought depictions of working-class life to the big screen and unflinchingly dealt with issues of poverty, racial discrimination, marital breakdown and teenage rebellion. Conversely, this youthful rebelliousness was portrayed somewhat more glamorously in the swinging London films, such as Blow Up and Alfie. London may have been lacking in morals, but it looked a fun place to be all the same. Scene six, take one. The Cinema Memories Project. Coming to a cinema, or lorry, near you. We're, uh, we're planning something of a roadshow. Um, there's, there's really two strands to this at present. Um, the first is that, uh, as planned in the, the application um, for the project we put, uh, or that Melvin put together, um, there's going to be uh, probably 11, 12 um, film screenings in different cities and towns across the whole of the United Kingdom. Um, we have uh, plans for Manchester, Liverpool, um, Norwich, I believe, is on the cards too. A number of these are beginning to, to come together, London as well. Um, we're also looking uh, to use these, well, we're looking to use these in two ways. Firstly, as a means of getting the word of the project out into uh, all sorts of communities across the country to let people know what we're doing, see whether they'd like to participate. But secondly, also to prompt memory, to show a 60s film to um, talk a little bit about it and then to have the audience tell us what they remember um, of 1960s cinema going or if they're, they're too young for 1960s cinema going tell us what they remember of their, their early years of cinema going um, I wasn't around in the 1960s certainly but I remember going to the cinema as a child and all of the issues that this project is raising in terms of memory and cinema are important to how I remember my cinema going too. So I think there's uh, there's scope for real public engagement with this and we're working to use these events, as I say, across the country in all sorts of different locations to uh, to help people to think about, well, what role does cinema memory play in my life? What has it played? The second strand is a, a project called The Screen Machine in Scotland and it's their 15th anniversary. And for their 15th anniversary, they are taking their bus, which they have, which is, an, well, it's an articulated lorry, onto which sits a fold-up 80-seater cinema. And that drives around uh, remote communities in the Scottish Highlands and Islands and pitches up in a different town each day and screens a film. And I'm delighted to say that we are going to be joining them for some of their 15th anniversary screenings. We're going to be going into these communities, screening 60s films, giving an introduction and then talking to uh, people in these communities afterwards and, and asking them to, to remember you know, what was 60s cinema going for them. And that's fascinating because there's always a danger that projects like this will get caught up with large urban areas. We'll find out what Londoners and Mancunians and Liverpudlians remember about their experiences of the 1960s. 
but we may not find out about what people who live in more remote, more rural areas think. So we're very grateful to Screen Machine and very excited to be joining them on the road. Final scene. Over to you. So if people want to find out more about the, the screenings and, and the other activities that's going on with the project, then they can visit www.ucl.ac.uk forward slash cinema memories, all one word. And uh, that will take them to our website where there's uh, all sorts of information about the project, about how people can contribute. And also on the right hand side of the page, a little section on events. So as events are confirmed, they're going to go up on there. And at present, there's information about uh, past events as well, things we've, we've done recently. Um, or they can uh, contact us by email. Our email address is cinemamemories at ucl.ac.uk. Or they can uh, write to us at the Department of History UCL, Gower Street, London. Do be sure to check out the Cinema Memories Project website and spread the word. The more participants, the wider the lens angle will be through which we can view Britain, the 60s, the cinema and indeed the way our memories work. Roll end credits. Lives Through a Lens, 1960s British cinema going and cultural memory was produced by Alex Bingham for Pod Academy. With thanks to Dr Melvin Stokes and Dr Matthew Jones, the Cinema Museum London, Tim Bentink and Imogen Church. Organ music written and performed by Benedict Bingham. For more information and a wide-ranging selection of other podcasts, visit www.podacademy.org. <laughs>